From the Vallejo Zen Center in Vallejo, California, this is To Practice in Interesting Times with Zenki Mary Mosin, a periodic discussion of Zen practice and how it aligns with an ever-increasingly turbulent political world. Welcome. This week, Mary sent me a quote from Professor Julius Lester about the nature of history and said, let's discuss. So we did. Where it led us was a discussion of the potential for understanding or misunderstanding about what the lessons of history actually are. You sent me a quote I this did. week about history, and I, I wanted to talk about that. Um, I read the quote and, and thought about it for a while and thought, I don't know what to make of this. I don't either. I, you know, <laughs> I, the, the, you, when you first read it, it's... Are we, ta- are we on? We are on. Why yeah. don't you read the quote then? Because I will. I was... It's uh, from Professor Julius Lester. Uh, history is not just facts and events. History is also a pain in the heart, and we repeat history until we are able to make another's pain in the heart our own. And I don't know if I told you that. I found that at the end of the author's note of a book by a woman named Sue Monk Kidd. Mm-hmm. And the book is called... The Invention of Wings, right. and it's about Sarah Grimke, and it's a fictionalized version of, of her life. She was a very early abolitionist and mm-hmm. feminist, and it's also about her slave, uh, whose name was, whose real name was Handful, whose mm-hmm. white, white given name was Hattie, Hetty, but her mother gave her the name Handful. And it, the book alternates between the two. And mm-hmm. uh, Sarah doesn't believe in slavery, and she's given handful uh, for her eleventh birthday. Here, some gift. <laughs> yeah. And um, anyway, I won't go on and on. But um, so that's I think she. And so she said that she, Sue Monk Kid, the author, said she had that quote mm-hmm. above her desk or on on her computer or something. So you can see how it relates to the book, right? To slavery and so on. Um, so I was very moved when I read that because I had just read the book. But I don't know. It's like the I wish I thought that there was that much. Intentionality, mm-hmm. something like that, to history or to life or to politics or whatever, and I don't know that that's the case. That's interesting because when I read it, I went down a very similar road, and it, it made me start thinking about um, our, our sense of, of history and and our sense of. Uh, I think intentionality is a great word here. Um, and 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 my the first questions that popped into my head were the first thing I thought was, well, that's a very lovely sentiment. That's very empathic yes. of us to think about. And then the second thing that popped into my head was, to what end? Well, that's it. You know, there are two things that come to me. One is, um, years ago, there was somebody that came to what was then a sitting group in a photography studio and he had been practicing for quite a while some you know with a different it was it was Soto Zen but a different 
sect or whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. And he said, the Dharma is always tending towards the good, isn't it? <laughs> and I remember thinking, well, I don't know that. <laughs> and and it was awkward because he's kind of senior in their lineage, and I just thought, well, I don't want to argue with them. Right. But I just kept thinking, I don't think so. I don't think it's good. You know, it's it's beyond that, isn't it? Or you know, I, did, I didn't use that word because that word came to me when I talked to Shohaku Okamura about it, mm. and I said, "What do you think?" And he said. It's beyond the good and bad, and I thought that's right. I think that I think that that's what I think, and um, that was very helpful. And in a way, I guess it sounds bleak, but um, to me, I don't know. It doesn't. No, it isn't bleak. To, it is not bleak to me. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's liberating because when you're when you're thinking in terms of good and bad, to me, it feels grasping. You're going after something, and you have an idea of what's good, and right. you don't know what's good. Right. And if as soon as you really think you know, that's when you're in trouble, it seems to me. And even so, you have to have an idea of something of what's mm-hmm. good and wholesome, and you need to kind of be moving in that direction. Right. But as soon as you know, that's when you're in trouble. And Uchiyama has a wonderful. Um, saying and I don't there there are two books there's a, there's refining your life otherwise known as from the Zen kitchen to enlightenment mm-hmm. which is his commentary on Dogen's instructions to the Tenzo mm-hmm. and then there's another one which is opening the hand of thought those are the two main things so in one of those he says that you should have a direction but not a goal and when I first read that I was upset and I was what the hell is that I don't know what that is but now I mean the way I understand it is that you you should as I just said you should have some direction some wholesomeness that you're moving towards or some idea of what's wholesome but as soon as you have it that so that you know these are just words but I think what he meant was when you think of it as a goal that's when you grasp after it Mm. so just just have a direction I just I'm going that way right now (laughs) <laughs> well, and yeah, because I started to think, I, I read the quote and I started to think, well, how does this tie in to uh, what we've been talking about? Mm-hmm. And but my first thought was, well, let's, let's call this one, what if we're wrong? <laughs> and, and, and then yeah. my follow-up to that was, of course we're wrong. We're one hundred percent wrong, and so I'm thinking about history in terms of the depth of history. Yeah, well, maybe we're fifty percent wrong or something. I don't know if we're hundred percent wrong. Well, yeah, so that's, yeah. that's another. Are absolute. there are there absolutes? I guess that's the question. No, the only absolute is that everything arises out of causes and conditions, and there aren't any absolutes, mm-hmm. and that's the absolute truth. <laughs> Which is that it's empty of own existence. There isn't anything. There mm-hmm. isn't anything fixed. There isn't anything that is unaffected by anything else. Right. It doesn't exist. Hoping that I'm not pulling it, this into a straw man argument mm-hmm. here. It, I mean, couldn't we say, we were talking about slavery, we could say slavery is absolutely bad. I think it is. I do too. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's something... I, you know that seems pretty clear to me. 
Yeah. But I don't have to hate everybody that ever owned a slave. Yeah. See, I mean, I don't... Jefferson had slaves, and I admire a lot about him. Right. Now, he didn't free them, as mm -hmm. I understand it. And uh, we'll never know what Sally Hemings really thought of him. Right. But uh, still, he did a lot of great things. And I'm sure I don't agree with all of his politics either, but it doesn't make sense to hate him. Right. And, or, or nor Washington. Even so, that, that example is in some ways good and in some ways not. It's like, yeah. you know, Hitler. Hitler was bad. You know? <laughs> yeah. He traded David Barnwell. He, mm -hmm. he was a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we have to deal with stuff in our own lives. Right. That's not so um, clear-cut or black and white. So I'm, I'm thinking back about this, and I, I started to try and pull up examples of where um, history is, is more nuanced than we'd like to play it out to be. Uh -huh. and, um, and of course, then the, the, the rabbit hole you go down there is, well, here's all these nuances that I see. Well, of course, that's not it. Like, there's another depth past that, and there's another sure. depth past that. And then I started to come, come back around to, well, what, because we, we've been talking about politics, what do we know to be right now? Can, can we? Oh. What, what, as I said, what if we're completely wrong? About what? Well, let me give you an example that I came up with when I was looking for, for examples of this. And we've talked about this before. We just finished the fourth volume of the LBJ biography. Mm -hmm. LBJ voted actively against civil rights for 20 years straight. Mm -hmm. he, he refused to vote for a bill that outlawed lynching. <laughs> this is true. I believe you. LBJ passed the single most significant civil rights legislation since Lincoln mm -hmm. as president. How, how do we rectify that? We can't. Well, you can't. You mean reconcile it? You said rectify it. I'm not sure if that's what you meant. Yeah, I think reconcile it. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so, don't. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know some of it. And that some of it was he was deeply political mm -hmm. in the in the um, boss tweed. Yes, kind of like you know he was a real Paul, and yes, so he voted the way he felt he needed to vote to get reelected. Yeah, and to be able to raise money for himself and other people and blah blah, and um, in the end, it enabled him to be in the position he was in and to get that bill passed. Now he didn't just get that bill passed; the people, the civil rights leaders had a lot to do with getting that bill passed. Yeah. And, uh, and Kennedy's death had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. It did. And so, who knows? But he wanted it passed. He wanted it passed, I think so, and I think he probably really believed in it. You know, he had mm -hmm. come from a part of Texas where there were lots of migrant workers and lots of, probably all Mexicans, I, I don't know if they were from other parts of he, Latin America. He had actually America. taught high school to right. Mexicans for so a number he, of years. I, I don't, 
I don't know, but I don't imagine that he was viciously racist himself. I think he was probably sort of garden variety racist for his time and place, as yeah. we all are. And, and, and very calculating. Uh, yes, very calculating men. And, and uh, he probably figured it was worth it to do those votes. And maybe eventually, years. <laughs> oh, I know. And and I don't. I mean, I don't know. And maybe he got also through the civil rights movement and knowing some of those leaders, who maybe he got more educated and came to understand more what the problems were. It's like like nowadays, people's feelings about um, gay marriage and mm-hmm. gayness and, and so on have have changed. And I think it's a lot, they say, it's a lot because a lot of uh, gays and lesbians have come out of the closet and started talking to other people and saying, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm gay. And, and, yeah. and a lot of people, I'm sure, were surprised that somebody in their family or their kid or somebody they knew or something was gay and, that, and they, once they actually saw it and met these, and they were like normal people, mm-hmm. then their feelings about it changed. Right. You know? So, so maybe that he had some experience of that. I don't know. Yeah, and and, and I, I think that in a lot of ways he was so pragmatic that he probably saw for those twenty years that he he was not going to be able to get those bills passed anyway. Right. Um. But, and you can probably see where I'm going with this, if you were to look at him over those 20 years, you would, except for his, his sort of profound support for FDR's policies, you, you would look at him as a very difficult man to, to like. Well, yeah, he was, but he I mean, was a difficult uh, man to like for a lot of reasons. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you would probably call him a racist. Uh, well, I think you would. Um, so, and you can see where I'm going with this. They call him a sexist too. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, what if we're wrong about Donald Trump? Well, we probably are wrong about Donald Trump to some extent. I mean, mm-hmm. one one interesting thing is, you don't know. He's he's so been so changeable. Yeah. Who knows what Donald Trump really believes? You know, he might not be so bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he might change his mind. You know, go back to being more liberal about social issues. So I don't know. I, 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 I won't vote for him. I'm sure I won't vote for him. I don't have to worry no, about that. But, yeah, another rule. But you never know. Uh, there was a, a friend of mine sent me a link to a piece that was on Slate mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a young woman interviewed her mother, who was a, I guess, a Yemeni Jew that had gone to Israel and then emigrated here. Right. And her mother uh, lives in Queens and is supporting Donald Trump. Hmm. And and this young woman, who obviously wasn't supporting <laughs> Donald Trump, yeah. uh, interviewed her mother, mm-hmm. basically saying, why do you support him? And And her mother was not I'm trying to think of a better way to say this her mother was not a nutcase um, you know, her mother actually could acknowledge 
that that Trump uh, had said some racist things and that it was foolish to think about building a wall or kicking all the Mexicans out. You know, she wasn't taken by the more racist aspects of it. Right. But she, there are two things. One is, you know, she thought that he, he was, he was an outsider and not a politician, and so maybe he could make some differences because the politicians all said this, these promises, and then nothing changed. Right. Well, that's not stupid. No. <laughs> I don't agree with her, but and and I think you know, people forget that, you know, they say you know he's a great businessman and he's made such a success and actually inherited yeah, really. most of his money yeah. <laughs> and he's failed a lot and so it isn't he, he's also succeeded I guess even if he succeeded mostly in you know what he licensing his name right he's made a lot of money he did something yeah and uh, so she was saying that that he was a successful businessman and it was his money so he wasn't beholden to anybody and then the other thing she said, which probably for her was foundational, was that she liked that he he was against the uh, peace deal with Iran. Hmm. Interesting. Oh. Well, and, and and that's like that's actually fascinating to hear and great to hear. That is a, a significant policy issue that that she agreed with and. Uh-huh. You know, I think a lot of the complaints that we've, well, and I don't, I don't even want to focus this specifically on Donald Trump. A lot of the issues that we have mm-hmm. with the candidates, particularly the supporters of the candidates mm-hmm. that are, you know, the top four now, um, are that we don't particularly have issues that we're cheering them on about. We we have sloganeering. Well, that's right, and 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 that's true of all of them, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then to lead it into our practice, um, in in a way, I, I feel like through our practice, we know even a little less. Well, <laughs> we 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 are more able to remember that we don't know. Mm-hmm. I I started to say we know we don't know, and well, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> but you know, it's easier to remember that. Right. And and when we find ourselves feeling that sense of urgency and that sense of I know mm-hmm. and I want, we can feel that in our bodies, at least that's the practice, to notice it. We can notice it and we can loosen our grip. Right. Uchiyama has this wonderful phrase, opening the hand of thought. And that took me a while to understand what he meant, but mm-hmm. I realized he's, we hold on to our opinions and our ideas so tight. So can we open that hand and just let the thought be a thought? It's just a thought. And I say, at the same time, mm-hmm. you do need, I think, to, or I need anyway, you know, to work for what I believe in. Mm-hmm. And to go to San Quentin when there's a, when there's a, uh, an execution there and so on. I don't think there's an end to it, I guess is what I'm saying. That they you know a good end that we're gonna we're gonna just keep struggling and then and then eventually we're gonna have a uh, I don't know what a workers paradise. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that actually doesn't sound so exciting to me, but but you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. some sort of paradise where everybody gets along and 
everybody has at least enough and chances to enjoy their lives and you know whatever. I uh, I don't know that that's in the cards. Well, it's it's interesting to to hear you say that because it isn't that too and it. it isn't that a part also of our practice? I mean, we we talk we're trying to free everybody yes. from suffering. Um, but that's what we do. But you know, you've, I probably said this already before. But the, the that wonderful statue of Avalokiteshvara with eleven heads, mm-hmm. and it's from she went down to hell and she saved all the beings and she's helping the last one out, and she waves goodbye and she turns she's going to enjoy. Empty hell. She turns and she looks and it's full again. And her head explodes, so she gets a new head. And it takes her like ten heads to finally realize, oh, this is just what I do. I save beings in hell. And there's not going to be an end to it. And there's no point in worrying about whether there's an end to it. Because that's goal-oriented thinking, you know. Right. Just be useful. Mm-hmm. And see what happens and I just that's what it seems like to me that we we and that in fact you know the dirty little secret is we're happier then when we're being useful yeah and and we can relieve some suffering and we can make political changes and and things things do seem to some things get better and some things get worse. Mm-hmm. My example that I was thinking of is, was it Bob Jones University? This is now, this is getting old. This is like 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. They, it came to light that they had a policy against interracial dating. I heard something And there about were, this. there was this huge outrage in this country. That's just wrong. And it wasn't like, 30% said that. It was like everybody said that. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't, I don't remember anybody defending them. There, probably there were people that defended them, yeah. but not many. So that seems to me that's very different from what probably would have been the case, say, in the 50s. That's a, that's a net positive. I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. so. And, and the fact that uh, the attitudes towards... Um, LGBT people have changed, and especially gay and lesbian people. But that's a big difference, and that's a positive thing. Yeah, you, you know, and, and to kind of to jump back on to what you were saying, there, there is a sense, and I think part of the desperation that, that people feel, especially when the politics intensity gets ratcheted up like this, uh-huh. is we feel like we're, we're trapped in this pendulum that's not getting anywhere. And... Um, you know, and I, I think that's a lot of what we get with with people who are Trump supporters who think, well, he's a hammer. He's going to come in and break mm-hmm. up the gridlock. Um, but realistically, no one ever does that too much unless their name is Roosevelt. <laughs> well, and he had a hard time at the beginning, you know. He, he certainly did, and, and he had to become a little bit of a dictator to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, is the, the, that was one of my examples that I brought in was, you know, FDR is the the icon of, of a successful liberal president and yet to do it he had to shut out well, a lot. Well he also had to get pushed. I mean he said that, that it was the, the left people that 
you know, the liberals that that pushed him into Social Security and so on. That, that because of that pressure, mm-hmm. I mean, not that he he I don't know that he minded doing those things Mm-mm. at all, but but he couldn't have done it without that. Well, I, 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 I think his wife was a big part of that because she, she was allowed to be unrepentantly liberal while he had to play the game still a little right. bit. Um, but so, you know, you see these swings back and forth and, and you think nothing's changing. But the, the president said um, a number of months back, and I don't know what it was in reference to, but he said, if you don't think things are changing, he said, I don't want to hear you say that things aren't changing right. if you were not a black man in the inner city in the 50s. <laughs> because you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. And I think he's right. There are a lot of things. And, um, it's just, it just, it is, it's slow. But I just, you know, anytime you say, you know, everything's getting better, then I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, people in people in Syria, or probably a lot of people in Iraq, and all over the Middle East. You know, I don't know that they think things are a lot better. And and for women in the Middle East, things are a lot are worse. I think, you know, that they were yeah. they had a lot of you know freedom in Iraq. And um, and I think in Syria, and and in Iran, they certainly and, had a lot more under the Shah than they yeah, do under the Ayatollah. That's right. That's right. And uh, uh, in Afghanistan under the King. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know that it's useful to try to figure it out. You know exactly what's better and what's. What's uh, what's worse? I don't know. Well, do you think this is part of, of the issue? Is that our our perspective is so thin, is so you know laser beamed on our own country? Yeah, I I mean I think that's true for that's maybe that's true everywhere. It certainly is true for Americans, mm-hmm. but and they say it's partly because of being protected by the oceans. I don't know. Yeah. But at any rate, yeah. Yeah, the more you, the more you see, I mean, just to come bring back to here, mm-hmm. you know, you get to know gay people and say, oh, yeah. they're not so different. Uh, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what words I want to use. Uh, the, more, the more we know, the more we know, you know the more generous <laughs> we could be or something. Or the more, yeah. Certainly we're more educated and uh, less fearful. A lot of people are very frightened, and you can't blame them. We talked before about you know, the fact that wages have been stagnant here and so on, and mm-hmm. that people don't any longer have that same expectation of right. the kids' lives being better. And that's a frightening thing. You watch the manufacturing go away. and I saw a couple of charts uh, just this last week that were wage increases versus Productivity increases, mm-hmm. and and it was startling. Um, productivity in this country is through the roof, mm-hmm. which really works against that argument that that we're you know people who are poor or lazy. 
<laughs> we're actually producing a great deal more than than we really have since World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one's getting paid anything for it. Right, that's right. You can know a lot, but as soon as you think you know the capital K, mm-hmm. then you're you're uh, you're in trouble. And you just have to. Uh, I had a, a teacher used to say, "Go by the Braille method." You know, you feel your way along, right? And you just keep doing the next thing that seems like it makes sense, which doesn't mean that you don't think and plan and learn and expand your horizons and stuff. But knowing is something else again, and I think it really it helps us with with the not hating part. You know, mm-hmm. if you remember that you don't know, and that they're probably Things about Trump, this woman that was interviewed said that um, she looked at people's kids and that his kids seemed like they were good and they were they were helping with the business and they were doing all right and they weren't being scandalous and whatever. Yeah. And they didn't seem, she didn't use this word, but it seemed like so they weren't, didn't seem sort of flighty or like party animals or something like that. And she's in New York, so presumably she has some yeah. better idea. I mean, I don't know much about his kids. It's, it's interesting you mentioned that. On, as I was driving up, there was an interview with Trump and his kids on oh. the radio. Yeah. And I was listening to it and, you know, put my prejudices aside. It was quite charming. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's so easy to hate him. It is. And, I'm sure I used it in that in the lecture that I started out with. I hate Donald Trump. I, I'm sure I said you know, there's this phrase that Linda Ruth Cutts used. It's wicked fun, mm-hmm. but it is it is wicked. Yeah, wicked is really not useful. It was a strong word, but <laughs> she used it, and it is. So to to find that direction. I mean, we talk about sailing in mm. a direction that seems decent and mm-hmm. good. How do, how do we start sailing in that direction? Is this an intention question? To some extent. And I mean, you need to have an intention, but not a goal. A direction, but not a goal. And I think you have, you learn I'm going to say two things at once. You you learn through practice. You you learn yourself, and you learn your body, and you learn your gut, and then you learn to trust that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, each of us has our own background and our own genetic makeup and our own family and our own cultural milieu out of mm-hmm. which we came and blah 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 and so that's not going to be the same for everybody right and you have to do it in the way that works for you but i do think that that you as you practice as you sit and meditate and learn to deeply know yourself mm-hmm. you also learn to trust yourself yeah and and you learn to 
you learn to let go of that insisting mm -hmm. and, uh, and to notice when you are insisting. I mean, Alan Tanaki says a sense of urgency. And I think it's sort of a, you know, mm -hmm. right, leaning in is now this whole right. mission us. But, but that sense of leaning in, leaning mm -hmm. forward, and, oh, I have to fix this, or I, I have to, as soon as you, I have to anything. No, yeah. actually, you don't. And so I think it's, it's, it's developing the faith in your own process, the trust in your own process. Through this, through, through this Zazen process, of sitting still and noticing and turning towards what's difficult mm -hmm. and being willing to be with it and notice that it arises, abides, and passes away. It does pass away. And out of that process, I think, comes a sense of what's, uh, what is my deep intention? What is, because you, you uncover it, I suppose, and it's, and what is the next thing to do? And you mm -hmm. just keep feeling your way along you know all of that with understanding it doesn't about being stupid and <laughs> right. you, you could read the newspaper and <laughs> educate yourself about the issues and stuff like that it's not I, I hate to make this joke but so yes. what you're saying is trust but verify yeah <laughs> you could say that <laughs> but I don't think I mean I don't think I think intention grows out of experience. Mm -hmm. this is if you because you can tell if you if you are having I started saying indulging, but you know these things arise unbidden. Mm -hmm. You're having unwholesome thoughts. Mm -hmm. You're having mean-spirited thoughts, mm -hmm. or racist thoughts, or unkind thoughts, or thoughts of revenge, or whatever. You can, you notice them, mm -hmm. and you notice what it feels like, and it doesn't feel good. Right. And if you act them out, right. then you notice that, and you notice that you're not only hurting yourself, now you're hurting other people. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work very well. <laughs> they right. don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to be around you. Right. So, by that, simply by noticing, you begin to form an idea, experientially an idea of what's wholesome and what's useful mm -hmm. and what works and what doesn't work. And maybe you can't always pay attention to it or maybe you don't, don't always act on what you've learned. Right. But you do know it. And, and as you suffer from the unwholesome stuff mm -hmm. and, and find joy in the wholesome, seems to be pretty natural it, 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 but it's paying attention is key and you have to develop the habit to pay attention and how do you do that it's awesome. right it, I mean it, it strikes me that almost well in my experience has been that the first stage is to even understand that you are suffering yeah. for what you're doing you know for mm -hmm. for the unwholesome thoughts for Yes. saying bad things about people and because we do it for so long in our lives that we don't really realize that, that some of the thing that's nagging us is that. That's right. Well, that's, I'm, I'm sure you heard me say that, that uh, you know, people often 
they start sitting and after a few months they'll come to you and say to me and say I've just I just realized I'm a really awful person (laughs) (laughs) and I get to say well no you just got quiet enough to pay attention to notice your humanity right so sorry (laughs) you're just I don't say this. I talk to myself this way. It's like you're just a garden variety jerk. You're not, <laughs> not, such, a, you're not such a special jerk. <laughs> I, I don't say that to people very much. But but, um, but I'm I have been known to say such things. So I don't want to say I don't. But but not in dosa. Right. But at any rate. But that's true. You know we. But they they haven't been quiet enough to notice it. So once you start noticing, it is it's painful. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in my experience, if you spend any time in recovery, you discover mm-hmm. that you you are by far not as terrible a person as you think you are. Well, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, one of the one of the great things about any of this kind of paying attention is you you get to know yourself, mm-hmm. and at least ideally, and my my notion is that you also find out that you really are a garden variety whatever. Mm-hmm. You're not so special. Yeah, and it's it's kind of sad. You think, well, I thought that I had some real problems, but it's just the same as other people. You know, I have my version of it, but it's not that different. Yeah, sometimes you're just a jerk. Oh, that's right. I'm so sorry. I I I like this. Uh, Years ago, when I was in analysis, right, and I would something would be coming up, and I'd really work on it, and I'd get down to really bedrock. And it would pop out, whatever it was, and say uh, sibling rivalry. Mm-hmm. And it would finally get down to actually, I wanted to kill my sister. And I tell my, I remember finally saying to my analyst, Can't I ever have something interesting? Can't I ever have something that's not a cliche? How come <laughs> every time I really get down to it, it's a cliche? And she looked at me and she said, There's a reason why they're cliches. Yeah, and then you know, I came to find that tremendously liberating, because I did. I mean, you know, understand? I don't really want to kill my sister, right? But that's 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 um, primal, mm-hmm. and we all have that about our siblings. Yeah. Um, and it it was it was really helpful to find out. Oh, you know, so I'm simply another human being. This is this is what it is. To be human was, well, and and it's it's humbling, and I find hum, being humble. I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but I find being I, humbled very liberating. It is, um, you know, I, I because my and I'm sure this is true of a lot of people. My my brain wants to think that it's a lot smarter than than anyone else, and then my brain thinks. It, it, it wants to do a lot of well, things. Well, we, we, we have a very fundamental self-love, which some of it we need, but in, 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 do we, I think as soon as it... I really, I think, I think my opinions are right. Mm-hmm. And everybody thinks that. And we talk about suffering from low self-esteem and so on, which people do. But there's a level at which it's... Not so. It's not there. There's great self-esteem. There's mm-hmm. a self-love that uh, that believes. It's like it or I believe what I think. 
and and that's another thing the practice helps with I think that you say oh I don't really have to believe my story to quite such an extent yeah. and that too is liberating yeah and and I mean doesn't doesn't this very much I know we need to wrap up pretty soon but doesn't this very much get back to kind of where we started there's that sense of I don't know like what what if I'm wrong and 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 that is a humbling thought that's right well I think humbling is useful humiliation is not useful but right. humbling is useful and right. and and it, I think it gets easier and you when you're not holding on so tight you know then if you like need to make amends or something because you did screw up you know it's a lot easier to do it right you know because you're not you're not locating some huge self in it anymore right you're, you're letting that ego part go yeah as best you can right well that's right well my teacher Mel Weitzman says that you know that um, you need the ego to be over here about the size of a grapefruit <laughs> not a beach ball right in front of you gut you know yeah. which was what we do we had this big big event and it doesn't we do need it you need to sort of function in the world and and uh, not run into things because you forget that they actually have a certain solidity to them mm -hmm. and to be able to communicate with other people so, but it doesn't have to be so big yeah sounds like a good place to stop please join us at the Vallejo Zen Center we do many informal sits and formal services throughout the week, and there is Zazen instruction available on Saturday mornings if you're new to sitting. The complete calendar, as well as how to contact Mary, is available on our website, VallejoZenCenter.org. Thanks for listening.